auspicious beginnings, you know what I mean? Welcome back to Three Dads and a Phil podcast. We are three dads, all at different stages of fatherhood, and a Phil who enjoys his time and money with no kids planned in the future. Recording from Victoria, BC, we, along with our guests, dive into everyday topics, sharing our perspectives and philosophies along the way. So join us with your favorite beverage, listen along, and here we go. We're in. We're back. Yeah, we're back. Uh, Welcome, everyone. We have a special guest today. We have um, the esteemed Dave Nichols, or David. Do you go by Dave or David? I actually go by Dave. Okay. And is it actually David is your legal name? Legally, yes. Okay. (laughs) So we'll we'll stay illegal. (laughs) Sounds good. (laughs) Perfect. We have, but we have Dave Nichols joining us, which is super exciting. He's the general manager and uh, uh, entrepreneur at uh, Vancouver Island Brewery, locally known as VIB. And uh, we're super excited to have you. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me in the invite, gentlemen. Yeah. So uh, it's great to have you. We do our usual little ritual here every episode where we go around with, what are we drinking this, this fair evening? Uh, Dave, since you're our special guest, why don't you start? What are you drinking tonight? Uh, today, and I'll show this up to the camera, because I did have a questionable gentleman wondering if I'm drinking my own product. And yes, I am drinking <laughs> our Broken Islands Hazy IPA. Uh, very good beer. Very delectable, smooth, and tropical. Uh, yeah, so it's a, a nice little treat to have, because I can only have a couple of these. You know, sometimes the, those higher alcohol beers can, can kind of get to you. What percentage oh. is that again? Is it like six and a half, six, eight, seven? It's a six. Um, oh, okay. But what I put in the fridge is two separate beers. Uh, I put our Dominion Dark Lager, which is 5.5% alcohol. But mm-hmm. I also put a Blackberry Export Stout, which is eight and a half percent. So depending on how half the segment goes, I'll decide which one I do on the back half. Nice. There you go. If, if the first half goes well, what do you reach for in the second half? Well, there'll only be one left because I would already dipped into the next one. So we'll just hit all three of those. <laughs> that's, that's a good answer. Doesn't matter. I'm drinking them all. Two turns of three real quick. Absolutely. <laughs> Phil, what are you yeah. drinking tonight? Uh, this evening, gentlemen, I'm drinking uh, the Brook Laddie, the classic Laddie from Brook Laddie. It's an Isla single malt whiskey, Scottish whiskey. It's, uh, it's really good. You can find it everywhere. Where whiskey is sold. It's quite delicious. Very nice. It's uh, unpeated, too, if you don't like the smokiness. Unpeated. Every time I hear that, I always think of Pete the Cat, because I have small children. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever read the books, Pete the Cat. Classic. Yeah. (laughs) It falls on deaf ears with Phil, of course, but anyway. Yeah, Uh, I'm sure I'll learn. Yeah, totally. You totally will. We'll give you some. Uh, Jordan, what are you drinking tonight? Are you drinking? I may be drinking tonight, actually. Oh, my God. Oh, here we go. Let's go. Jack Hayes. I was I was trying some alternative uh, approaches, and I didn't feel like they were really connecting. And I thought, let's just go back to the tried and true. Uh, I'm drinking Forty Creek, and I'm mixing that with some uh, Cherry Coke Zero. Oh, bitch! And Are you like a sixteen year old high school girl? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much like a, a Smirnoff icing myself. A watermelon Smirnoff ice. There you go. It's like a cherry, a cherry, a cherry Smirnoff ice. I beg your pardon. Smirnoff ice. Yeah. I thought you were going to be calling out a screwdriver or something. An old classic. Yeah. Yeah. I love my whiskey and I like my Coke. Coca Cola. Said so many (laughs) rock men of the eighties. Totally. (laughs) Well, look at him. Look at him. He's he's, he he can do it. He can pull it off. He's in a death metal eighties band. Totally. 
I wish. <laughs> I wish. Yeah. Right. Graham, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, tonight I have. I was not going to go out. Sorry, Dave. I was not going to go out and buy one of your beers. If I would have one in the fridge, I may have drank it. But I have a Spinnaker's, another local competitor to, to Dave, uh, Spinnaker's Mitchell's ESB, an extra special bitter that is one of my local favorites. Uh, but Dave's drinking one of my other local favorites, and that's not kissing ass. I actually really, really love that Broken Islands IPA. But this is a good, darker, more malty esb that i enjoy so i always try to have a bomber for every podcast dave so this is the bomber i have for this one excellent um Look. i will say one thank you for uh, calling out that you do enjoy the broken islands hazy ipa but I two indeed. i also picked up the spinnaker's bomber yesterday oh. uh, because i love how they're doing they got the esb and they got a bottled condition version and a non-bottled condition version and i thought that is very innovative so yep. I want to give it a try. There you go. Hmm. What's what uh, for those of us who don't run a brewery? What's the difference? Um, one sort of adds like a carbonation that's kind of happening in the bottle afterwards, right? So oh, I'm, cool. Okay, I'm yeah. Not a hundred percent sure on how they did the two differently. I haven't talked to Paul or you know gone into their shop to ask them, but uh, typically you you either have a carbonation right at the level that you want it, and you put it into the bottle and you cap it and it's good to go otherwise you don't carbonate it and you add a little bit of agent that's gonna you know sometimes it's sugar it's sometimes it's whatever ingredient is to just create that extra carbonation and uh, that's done through the bottle so sometimes that can have greater character uh, within the bottle cool okay interesting, interesting. I like, like that. greater dark oh. side or greater light side sometimes it is a mystery <laughs> mm. that's part of the fun though right you yeah know. is that like a white lightsaber it's like where it's like in the middle <laughs> what it's a great yeah. it's a great it's a gray jedi the gray jedi the gray jedi <laughs> right the balance between the forces Matt, what are you drinking uh tonight i'm drinking um i'm not double fisting well i i am double fisting triple fisting yeah I'm, yes i've got water in a cocktail if that's considered double fisting i don't know oh, okay it is uh, it hey. is not okay <laughs> well then I'm what's not. your cocktail so tonight um i thought you know we're having quite an esteemed guest one that i was excited to have so i mixed up myself a double batch that's why i'm have double fisting uh water a double batch of a vieux carré and uh it's one of my favorite cocktails of all time i didn't have a super nice cognac it calls for it's basically rye cognac sweet vermouth angostura bitters Peychaud's bitters and some benedictine and you mix it all up it's it is classic and amazing and and layered i didn't have cognac so i had to use saint remy xo brandy which is close enough but it's not cognac anyway that's what i'm having tonight i have a quick why aren't we doing this all together <laughs> i'm like i want one of those yeah, man. <laughs> if, you're, if you're willing if you're willing to come back on the show dave i'm sure we can make that happen yeah next week we finally get all together but i, I was curious matt um the uh the bitters and all that sort of stuff where do you pick mm -hmm. that up i've wanted to start uh yeah making some of the cocktails and it seemed like liquor store didn't have it no uh, grocery store didn't have it so i was like no. where the hell go? okay so um the trick is thrifties will have angostura which is the best place to get it because it's going to be way cheaper so they they'll have typically have angostura for 12 bucks ish so get it there um anything else like Peychaud's. Peychaud's is notoriously expensive. 
Um, but uh, who had it for a good price that I got it from? I think it was Vin- um, Vessel. What's so that? Vessel's got an amazing selection. It's down uh, at the Oak Bay Junction, uh, Fort and, uh, no, not Fort. Um, it's like Fort and Oak Bay. It's like Fort and Oak Bay Ave where they kind of meet. Yeah, I think it, yeah, yeah, it's like those two. Right now, gentlemen. <laughs> it's at that weird angle street. It's the weird one. Yeah, it's not yeah. Fort. It's yeah. not yeah. Fort. It's, right. uh, anyway. So it's Oak Bay Junction. Vessel's a great one. Um, and then, strangely enough, um, uh, is it Oscar and Libby's or uh, that other one down in Oak Bay? It's not Oscar and Libby's. It's another funny name. Uh, Randall? No. Uh, Nicholas Randall? Oh, okay. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 So it's one of those two. I haven't gone in a long time, but they also have an amazing bitters selection. Oh, okay. Perfect. Oh, and the other place is Vintage uh, Liquor, which is in the Hotel Rialto. Uh, right downtown yeah Yeah. so they have a killer 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 bitter suction just be prepared to spend like as much on a little bottle with a stopper like with a dropper yep for like you know 40 bucks like you spend like that much on a little medicine bottle with a dropper as opposed to a bottle of whiskey so when you're out and you're getting these great cocktails you know and you do the sort of cocktails you get to make at that point too are just so ridiculously next level yeah the what i would say this is a total digression guys so i apologize we're gonna get back to you dave is um, uh, if you're looking to m- make a little bit of a bar for yourself so you can make stuff, a variety of things, you want to actually, f- bitters, just get Angostura. Um, f- but what you want to focus on is modifiers. So the mod, like you, you, you have your basics, right? Like gin, whiskey, um, rum, like those are really your main ones. But your modifiers are what is going to make, make or break what selection of cocktails you make and that's where it gets expensive so there's some there's some key ones we can talk about later and help you build one if you want let's take this i think i found our next i think i found our next short building your cocktail bar with matt and he'll teach us how to do that so that'll be our next short that'll be our next short build your cocktail bar there we go awesome i've never listened to a podcast that didn't have a tangent so that was a good one (laughs) (laughs) we we are all smarter now (laughs) awesome so so dave um like I said, we're excited to have you. So we, we have some prepared questions, but of course we're just going to go where the wind takes us as well. Um, so, but let's start with, let's start with some of So our resident, Sean Evans, you've ever watched hot ones on YouTube mm. where they, where they eat uh, like spicy wings and then he interviews yeah. like celebrities. Yeah. I saw yeah. a horrible one and never went back. Okay. I saw the, uh, most are great. Jurassic park. What's his name? Oh, Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum? Like, yeah. Yeah. He was like nibbly, like, yeah i was like (laughs) (laughs) oh man well we've got our resident sean evans yeah jeff goldman's awesome but we we do have sean evans here in the house his name's phil and um he's done a little bit of a little bit of research on you sir so i thought maybe we could start with uh some of the questions that phil has dug up some of the dirt we've got some got some interesting stuff on dave nichols so uh phil why don't you why don't you lead us off here Love to, and I, I promise, Dave. These aren't. There's no dirt here. I'm just. I just was curious. I did my research. That's all. So, <laughs> um, elementary school I, told us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your teacher described you as the following. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing. The internet didn't exist before, like while I was in university. So, it can't be that but, much dirt. Well, that's actually. You know what? That comment though is a great segue because. So you were at Western. Uh, out in Ontario from 91 to 95, doing uh, BA of Administration and Commercial Studies, majoring in Finance and Economics. Is that correct? I believe that is 
So this is a good, because my first question was actually kind of around that comment you just made about um, like the internet and technology. And so with marketing being your background um, over the years that you've been in the marketing game, um, I just want to know what the challenges of, of that area of marketing with the emergence of social media now and as it continues versus how and what you were taught back in school. Because I'm assuming there's a pretty steep learning gap or a, a period there where Facebook and Instagram and everything came out. So how has it changed from what you learned to where we are now? Yeah, certainly um, <laughs> we all wish we were doing our jobs way back in, in the days when it comes to marketing, where it was like, where am I spending my money? Radio, TV, print. That's it. You had mm -hmm. the same deck of cards and you just shuffled them into different piles and there was no research and no way to analyze it. So you just sort of said, hey, it works. And come into the current, you know, modern day of working and trying to sell brands and trying to build brands. And it's now you, you take that same pool of money and you used to divide it up three ways and now you're dividing it up a hundred ways 50 to 80 percent of the ways tell you here's all your metrics that you know clicks and views and this and you look at the other side of video and print and you still don't share much right because especially in small businesses you, you can't pay the money to do the research to understand you know are people reading your ads? Are people seeing your ads? And so, yeah, certainly through my career, um, I had the, the luxury of working at Labatt um, and working on some, some nice big brands there. And right when Facebook was taking off and when you know, I launched Bud Light Lime in Canada and we became the largest Facebook you know, beer page within three months versus three years that some of the other brands had been trying to grow. And, you know, all our pictures and videos and everything were going viral back then. I use air quotes, which doesn't work on a podcast, but, you know, <laughs> things were going, things were going viral in terms of people filling their cars and trying to get the product and everything was crazy. And you're like, uh, I didn't spend any money. Uh, I, it, it's just Facebook. Right. It was before ads. It was before, you know, paying to get your pages on uh, online. And I'd say to kind of wrap on the marketing side, the, the big thing that I've always sort of talked to my team and, and talked to many people when sitting on different, you know, other boards or organizations or anything like that, that I just sort of say, hey, you know, when we use social media, we are renting audiences. We don't, we don't own that audience. It is a rental right. space. Facebook could come along and go, uh, whoops, we totally got nailed with the privacy thing and we just have shut off all businesses, right? And you're just immediately disconnected. Or they say, we're tripling the price. We're quadrupling the price if you want to talk to people. And you're gone. And so we always try to build our own audiences through email groups so that we can you know, actually have a conversation. And if you want to no longer subscribe to us, then you no longer subscribe. We weren't doing, we weren't servicing you in the right way. But uh, at least we own that relationship. No one comes along and says it costs you three times as much money to email the person you used to talk to last week. Uh, so I was just curious, Dave, like, again, just for, for those of people listening, 
uh, again, it's interesting to see the 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 path in which the marketing is taken and stuff like that. But like, just thinking about just trying to cut it down to basics for you, like, what is it that you are in charge of at VIB, and what is it like day in and day? Out? Like, are you like they're like checking Instagram stuff or like uh, putting on Facebook, on, like what Facebook ads and doing that sort of thing? Or, like, what is more like your day to day of what you're managing or what's your official title? I think Matt said it earlier. I beg your pardon for asking again, but just to give us a little bit clearer of what exactly you're doing now at VIB. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as Phil sort of uh, started off, you know, my career, my schooling uh, when I went to Western was more in the marketing, commercial, finance, and then, you know, I had an economic side to, you know, the schooling. I, I did the typical drifting at Western, as most people do, um, take a degree, go in another direction, try another yeah. direction and finish off in the same place that you started. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Took four years to get there. So, um, marketing advertising was kind of most of my career. And as I went through my career, I picked up a little bit more of the people skills, a little bit more of the HR, a little bit more of the finance. And that's now gotten me to the place where I'm the general manager and partner at Vancouver Island Brewing. And my day to day, you know, because I have marketing in my heart and my passion and, you know, I sit down with you know, the marketing team and review and take a look at packaging and things like that. As far as social, I see what we post when I go online. I I don't see anything in advance. I got a great, you know, team that takes care of all of that stuff. And so they're more dialed in with, you know, the hip people than us older guys. So do you, do you, uh, do you go around? Like, uh, are you checking out like in the brewery during the day? Like, cause you said you general manager the entire thing. So like, do you have like a more specific spots that you hit more than others or is it, are you in like one spot mainly most of the time or you kind of hit a little bit of everything? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question, right? A lot of people sort of wonder what managers do with their time. Uh, I will say my ritual is I come in, I unpack my laptop, I put it down. I set my coffee down and I put on my high vis and I go into the back immediately. And I say hi to everyone who's working in the back, packing the beer, running the can operating, the brewers say hi. I go stare at our equipment as the beer's coming out. Um, I worked at a dairy for eight years of my life. Um, You know, that helped pay for my university. It was what I did for you know high school and university. It was a, a long time, and I ran equipment, and so I know when you stare at a piece of equipment, you know I don't have my ear ear protection in because I'm only in there for a short time. Like you listen and you stare, and you know what's going on with that equipment, right? I I don't run it on a day to day business. I don't know what's wrong, but you can pick up clicks or you can pick up you can see a vibration that's happening, and you say, oh something's off something's off and i go I'll talk to the maintenance guys i'll check in with them and say how are we running today um so that that starts every single day um and i love it because i, I just want to see what we are putting into the marketplace right um depending on the beer i'll i'll try the beer first thing in the morning or we launched a new um vodka uh, drink a hard seltzer or a hard sparkling water i'll give it a try if we've done a new tweak to the recipe just to make sure you know give it a little taste by their table and then, you know, head off the rest of my day, say hi to the rest of the crew. Uh, and then typically I'm a, a lot of meetings at the beginning part of the week. Um, and it's just talking with different parts of my team. But as I 
look at the departments to focus on and where I put my resource and efforts very much change throughout the year. So I got a sales team that's kicking ass right now um, and really do an amazing job. So where's my focus? My focus is right on production. I got to yeah. make sure that we're not missing a beat. We're not going to stock out on anything. We got all everything running perfectly. Um, if we're running perfectly, but the sales aren't there, I got to spend more time with sales. Yeah, or if marketing, we're not seeing the poll, we're not seeing the engagement, I got to spend more time with them. Uh, and then finance is just typically, you know, throughout the month, you got your regular check-ins, so you're just making sure the dollars and cents are making sense and, and we're doing all as a business. So I'm just curious because I, because I, uh, I think as you know, and these guys know, I worked at, I worked at Hoyn Brewing for a while. I delivered beer, but like, I'm just mm -hmm. curious for, that was years ago or a few years ago now, but are there a lot of breweries around town that run the same thing where you have like a general manager? Cause I feel like, um, that we didn't quite have that. We had like Sean who uh, people, everyone knows, like he was like in charge and ran the show and, and his, mm -hmm. and his wife and their, and like, she was kind of like, you know, they ran the show together, but it didn't feel like there was like a general manager for all those pieces. And like I said, it, and we ran things relatively smoothly and whatnot, but I was just curious, like, do you know if other breweries run things like that same sort of way we have like a, overarching sort of general manager for things like that because it sounds like it's and like you say it could just be it's just your personality where you're good about talking to people and connecting and trying to have your you know finger on the pulse of all the little bits and pieces like throughout the day of the brewery whether it's sales or packaging or you know you know the guys in the brewery so i was just curious if that runs the same way throughout in victoria or if a greater victoria other breweries and whatnot if you know or um or what mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, i think you know depending on the size of breweries they they get to the point where a brewery typically starts off and you either got someone who loves beer, who loves the idea of selling beer. You know, it's, it's kind of that combination between that space. You generally don't, not very often you run into finance people that are like, I need to launch a brewery, right? They, you know, so you've got two people with passion, right? And either making the beer or selling the beer mm -hmm. uh, and that marketing side. And they will take on and share responsibilities as that brewery grows. As that gets to a certain point, it just puts stress and pressure on their ability to do their best. And I think that's, that's the greatest thing in the development of a person is understanding where you're amazing at and where you're not as great, mm. where you're amazing. Put that effort. Don't waste effort in your life. This is my view. Other people have different views that you should be amazing at everything. I view it as be amazing at the things that you're amazing at and surround yourself with the other people that are amazing at the other things. Right? And Amen. Amen, yeah, sir. It's, yeah. That I, is I've the Gretzky got, principle in, yeah. in, in succinct summary. That is awesome. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I, and I've had performance reviews where, you know, you know, employees from, from other companies this is going back a few years. They were like, Dave's good at this, but he's not good at this. I think he needs to do that. I'm just like, I talking to my boss and they're telling me this and I'm like, okay, but I'm not. Like I, like I'm amazing at this, and I will be. It'll take all my energy away. And it's even as I interview people to work at our company, my questions for people are not like, "What's your strength? What's your weakness?" I'm like, "What gives you energy, and what takes your energy away?" Mm, and if yeah. things take your energy away, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna make sure I don't give you those things, so that you are optimizing your days and, and being amazing and awesome. Well, it creates incentive, so, right? It creates incentive for people to want to do more in what they're good at, you know, and then, mm -hmm. they, and then maybe they'll still learn about those things they're not so good at. 
and 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 understand a bit better but there's still a weakness but they can really just find ways to be innovative for the brewery or for whatever company or business it is to be you know with those things they argue that and they excel at that's cool that's really awesome yeah well and i and think I, oh sorry go ahead dave well, i was just gonna say to finish out that general manager sort of like aspect is like you want people to have know-how and and an understanding of the other departments but you also want a little bit of ignorance of like well, I don't know, can't you double the speed of the machine? Right? And and just have those questions that come yeah, out. Yeah. Because if you know that you can't, then you never ask the question. Yeah. Right? And so you don't want to be too smart. You just want to be smart enough to be able to ask the questions. Yeah. I like that day. I was I was I was gonna just comment like uh something I learned when I was taking business at Camosun was in one of my classes was uh, a great leader. And then you, Dave, clearly I feel are because you understand that a great leader needs to also be a great leader is somebody who's also a great follower. And I feel that's super important because that, you know, you can't be great at everything and you need to know when to lead and when to follow. And I think that's a, a very valuable self-reflection piece that many leaders could benefit from in their position is understanding that. But another way to put it, something that, that I've taken a lot of my leadership stuff is a servant leadership, right? Where you're there to support and empower the team around you. It's it, you're not necessarily there to be the figurehead and all this other stuff. It's it, you're there to, to, to basically help them succeed. Um, and I always, in my roles in, in it, I always think, you know, my job is actually to work myself out of a job, make this team so empowered and so good at what they do. And so, um uh able that i'm irrelevant and uh because not only does it make your job better but it makes their job satisfaction a thousand times you know higher it's essential uh to empower your your workers like that if you want to have passionate dedicated workers that you can rely on long term and my god does it make that your does that make your job easier in the long run Totally. Absolutely right. Yeah. I, I've always heard people talk about it as like take down the barriers of your team. Mm -hmm. right? And uh, Matt, I think you you call it out perfectly. The ideal is to, you know, work yourself out of a job, which actually creates open space for you to go on to a new vision and direction of where the company maybe hasn't been able to go because they haven't had that freed up time. So in an Eat Magazine article from, when did I find it here? From 2019, um, Vancouver Island Brewery, the brewery rebranded in 2007, and there was a bit of pushback from the consumers and and possibly from inside as well. I don't know, but I could maybe just guess. And um, I was curious how difficult it was because you were uh, relatively new to the company. You were the new GM around, what is it, 2018? I think is when you started at uh, Vancouver Island. So I was curious being new, being the GM, and then going through a re-rebranding after the maybe less than successful rebranding. Um, how how challenging was that for you? And how did you get not only the customers, but employees to buy into the re-rebranding being the new guy? Because essentially that, you know, that's a, that's can be maybe a different culture to step into. So how did that go? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was a very challenging time for the brewery uh, to go through, you know, what was to be an amazing 
rebranding launch, you know, the effort and the resources that go into a rebranding is not small. It, it pulls upon every single employee in the organization um, from, you know, the beers that you're making, from the marketing people that are there, from the sales team that's out on the street, from the production crew that's working with, you know, new equipment, you know, to even the sales and, and the order uh, desk folks. Everyone's working something differently. And it, it takes so much energy and resource to come with this new launch. And so everyone invests so much energy and so much time into what is to be this launching of an amazing thing and to not get the results that they had hoped for. Uh, and that wasn't just, you know, hearing uh, meetings where they say, oh, we didn't hit the number we wanted to. But it's actually hearing customers and hearing consumers that aren't happy. Like that, that hurts to your heart, right? That hurts to your core uh, because you've invested so much time and energy. So when I came into the organization, uh, immediately I saw that, you know, they had, they had picked themselves back up. They were working in a new direction. You know, we, we, I added fuel to that direction to make sure that we were building the confidence that we were going to get this new transformation done in a, a quick, appropriate way, financially responsible way as well. A lot of my focus was building confidence within that team. If you do not launch with confidence, just give up. Just give up right there. You need everyone to believe in this next step that you're going into, that this is the best direction, that we absolutely learned from the previous exercise and and the mistakes and the insights and the learnings that we got from customers and consumers but all that energy needs to now go into we are launching greatness now and so when i talk about my daily routines if i would go here and i'd go there and where do i focus my attention back then it, it you know a lot of things were parked to the side and it was all about working individually with everyone within that organization to to build them up to say you are amazing you are great like yes you created something incredible that didn't fly the way it was supposed to but you can fly again and i think that that's really that was my number one job that i took on as coming into the brewery just say yeah let's make everyone great and we're going to launch this thing amazingly and then i can move on to go okay let's look at the finances let's look at the that's all the all the other pieces that come with being a gentleman yeah, I don't doubt that there's a ton of uh, people I could identify with something like that. I, I've, you know, I've worked in games for the last 15 years, and every team that I've been a part of, like the 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 success of that game, you 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 could get a sense of of the confidence and that 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 enabled passionate working team versus you know, a stifled team with, with issues with, uh, maybe budget issues or, you know, for, for us, uh, publisher demands and, and things like that, whatever it is, but, um, but a confident enabled and empowered team, um, would, you know, generally those games would launch, they'd go pretty well. And the ones that weren't didn't do so hot. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, that's, you know, there, there's, yeah, so many moving pieces so many moving parts and um if, yeah em empowering those 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 uh team members to be the best they can be ensure you know it gives you such uh such higher increased chances of success for sure i'm wondering yeah. dave 
with the because he worked with Vancouver Island Brewing, one of the bigger local breweries on the islands. One that, like they said, you guys can put out quite a bit. And you said you worked with Labatt, and I think uh, pre-interview, Phil may have mentioned that you worked for Granville. I believe it was correct. Um, yeah. So I, I was wondering. Have you ever worked for a brewery or a business even that's smaller than because like Granville, I know is pretty, pretty, pretty good. Got a pretty good following and like pretty big brewery uh, from the knowledge I have of it. But and then also with Vancouver and Labatt obviously is huge. If you notice any sort of motivation differences with a bigger brewery or is Vancouver Island the smaller brewery, the smallest brewery that you worked with? Yeah, Vancouver Island Brewing would be the smallest brewery that I've worked with. So do you find, um, do you find at, like the I've create at smaller businesses? Uh, yeah. But that that's certainly the the smallest brewery I've been at. Okay. Do you find it was is harder to at those bigger businesses or the bigger breweries to try to motivate and try to get people behind like some change or thing like that, or is it a lot more like bureaucracy or red tape you had to go through, or is it um or just like what are the differences? Yeah, no, the, the big thing for me about working at a craft brewery, um, certainly a, a small business. I, I I love the small business environment. I've been in the big space. I've been in the small space. Uh, the thing I'm, I love about the small businesses that we work at, so small, I would say, is less than 100 to 150 employees, right? So not 10 employees or, you know, five employees, um, is that you can really rally everyone together, right? Everyone can really bond around the business and what we're doing and, you know, the excitement that comes out. When you look, when you work at a bigger brewery um it, it's still exciting like you know i worked on brands like stella and i worked on keese and i worked on you know bud light lime and you know working on granville island you know they're they're nice cool to work on these big big brands but when i come up with an amazing program on one of those bigger brands i don't get finance jazzed and excited i don't get HR jazzed and excited about those things. When you're in a small business, everyone loves what you're doing, right? From the maintenance guy to the, you know, person who's on the order desk to the accountant to the person who works at the tap, like everyone loves what you're doing at the brewery. So, and but that, when, hang on, sorry, that brings me to a good point. Of you said everyone loves what you're doing at the brewery, but I believe Matt may have. A uh, curious question of if everyone agreed with loved what they were doing with something sim- very specific. Sorry, you were oh, right what? on the money, and I was like, Matt, you got to jump in, or I'm jumping in for you, buddy. <laughs> oh, I love the it. Doors there. I love it. Doors there. Okay, were they so... all on board for? Here you go, Matt. <laughs> so, Dave, I just I just learned basically through Sean Evans, aka Phil's uh, research, that you were a Granville. I didn't actually know that before, <clears throat> which is awesome. So, tell me. Tell me, ha- have there been any recipe changes to the Lionsgate Winter's Ale in the last, say, five, well, six years? I had a, such a softball version of the question that you mentioned before he uh, yeah. jumped on our earlier pre-banter, but uh, I'll let you yeah, have you've it. you've gotten soft, Matt. Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> yeah. Just um, ask a goddamn question like you mean it, man. Yeah. Fuck. Hey, is it okay it, if I ask you it. this question? <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll rephrase it and, and Jordan can, can edit it in this version. Yeah. I can cut it, splice it in. Yeah. Uh, what the fuck happened to the winter ale? There we go. That's <laughs> what you said. The feeling was there. 
Oh, okay. there it is. So, so give me a time frame in which, well, in which you're thinking. Yeah, totally. Because I, I've, I've, been at, I've been at Vancouver Island Brewing for three years. So, while you were at Granville. I, so, while I was at Granville and it had changed. Did it change? No, no recipe change in, in my lifetime. And I was there for four years. Um, in the beer world, there are minor tweaks, and I will say minor tweaks that happen in beers, right? And it's basically just think of, you know, what did we grow up on? And I'll point to the older audience in, at the table here. What did we grow up on that was the most sweetest thing that we could get? Well, it was like fun dip. And I don't even think fun dip was pure sugar. Like it, it still probably had some non sugarness aspect to it. Whereas you look at the products that have been available for the past 20 years and the amount of like high torque sugar, basically a convection company can't bring out anything that isn't high torque sugar, mm. right? It will just immediately reject it. In the craft beer world and in the beer world, things are progressively getting slightly hoppier or slightly sweeter, right? Mm. They just kind of gradually diverge. So even brands like classic brands like you know Beck's out of like Germany and stuff, it's like recipes just change this like minute minutia over like time because that's what consumers want. Right? Mm. And so we would always say in terms of you know the winter ale and, and people would sort of question it, it's like, well, like the winter ale changed, and you're like, you mean from the seven to eight months ago when you last had it and you've had all curry spicy food all summer because you discovered curry spicy foods and now your palate's changed? So Yeah, Matt. What's yeah, wrong with you, Matt? Come on. Well, for the record, I've been eating curry and spicy foods all my life, so that's not the issue. Ooh. But uh, <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> totally <all there. laughs> we're gonna lock no, you it, in a room until you figure it out. It's well taken, and it's totally a tongue tongue and cheek question to begin with. But it oh, definitely that's totally fine. It it was definitely uh, when I found that out, I was like, oh shit, maybe I can. I'm actually curious because while it's anecdotal, I know for a fact that it does not taste. There's there's something different about the vanilla flavor now versus back when it was first released. See, I can't, I can't release the caribou secret uh, on, on, on that product. Fair. That beer is amazing for people who love that beer. Totally. When you ask people to describe that beer, 80% of the people can't pick out what is actually the flavor created to be that. And I will, I will let you gentlemen research and Google away what is the actual flavor of the, the winter ale. John uh, Evans, you're on it. Uh, yeah, research man. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, I'm going to slightly move over a second because I got to plug in my laptop. That's perfect. Uh, it's I, a perfect time I, for I, a break. Uh, perfect okay. time for a break, Dave. So um, we're going to take a break. Uh, we'll be back after these messages. So welcome back from the break. Uh, so we're here with Dave from VIB. We haven't had nearly enough time with Dave. We probably won't have Dave back. But um, so I, we had, I had the one question, which was about um, the Lionsgate Winter Ale, which Dave actually doesn't remember that it was even a beer, which is fine. Um, the other thing, the other, one, the other one. one, one last little dig, one last little <laughs> poke, huh? 
<laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, jo- I'm joking. Um, the other thing that I was curious about, Dave, was like, do you guys do your own labeling? Because your labeling looks amazing these days. Uh, we've got an amazing, an amazing gentleman by the name of Taylor and a crew uh, at Faux Creative that does our labels. Um, Taylor's been working at, with us for a number of years now. Um, we used 123 West, uh, which is an agency out of Vancouver who had come up with uh, the original campaign concept of the, of the rebranding. Uh, but we moved on to Taylor uh, to be supporting our local businesses, and they've done nothing but fantastic work. In fact, they were the ones who developed uh, right from scratch concept, everything around the Island Life hard sparkling water, uh, which has been such a massive success for us in the start of this year. Uh, It's kind of one of those things around the whole pandemic of, you know, how did you pivot your business? Well, we moved from beer into creating these wonderful vodka drinks, Um, but we took an edge to it and we've got you know two flavor combinations with a botanical backing to it so it's a really well crafted uh enjoyed beverage yeah i wish I, you guys all had one right now me too i actually wish I know. Know. well wait a minute I, your doorbell should be ringing a, uh, yeah totally right dude you do doordash for us or something like that yeah one of the guys delivered it um i did pick up a straight and narrow in the break which is one of my go-to's that and tailspin but i would love to now try the VIB ones because they look they look delicious. What are they called again? Uh, Island Life, Hard Island Life Water, and uh, I will also say Straight and Narrow makes a fantastic drink, and that inspired us to know that you know what you can make great stuff in that space, right? That totally. it's not just all this bland with a drip of you know flavoring. Yeah, hey, no, listen, I, I, I I think these are. I tried the ones you gave me, like two of them there. Uh, Dave and I tried them and I thought they're were, they were pretty tasty. I told the guys I, I think I was having them I had them a few weeks ago after I, I saw you in the gym. And for some reason I didn't think vodka. And so when I was like drinking, I was like, why does it taste like vodka? And my wife's like, because it's a vodka hard cider like, sparkling drink. Cider. And I was like, I was like, oh right. No, um, yeah, sorry, not a cider, sparkling not, water. Not not even close. Uh, no, I mean I could I can see how you get the two confused. But the shut up. The question I have though is, I don't. I like that you guys are going in that space and like the straight and narrows that Matt's talking about. But I saw the P- I, PBR is doing the same thing, and that just made me upset. This is the second time you brought this up, and I love yeah, it. Yeah, because it's, it's very upsetting. Episode. It's very upsetting. I, we have to. We I have was, to I was thinking of this for our next podcast. We have to. We have to taste test this for a future pod. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, maybe next week I'll buy some for us to taste test because it. But I don't know if I can spend the money. I can't. I don't know. I don't know if I can pay PBR to. I'll buy it. Yeah. One of us will buy it. You don't have to. I think if you take a look at the packaging, if you take a look at the what alcohol level it is, you'll get some clear messaging on who the demographic is and what they're trying to do. And it's not just because it's high torque, but it's like a specific number. Like they just, they're playing the game. And good for them. They know the audience. Like go right for them. I see everyone like right now powder. Googling, like, you know, what, what's the deal? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, looks, yeah, you know, as we, as we created this, uh, you know, hard sparkling water, the, the idea was, you know, back in the day, if someone was walking towards the cooler and I said, hey, Graham, grab me something. 
And you're like, well, what do you want? And I'm like, I don't know. Whatever's in there. You grab, you come back, and you bring me, you know, some like Alcapop, like high sugary drink. And I was just like, uh, no, dude, just like go get me a lager or a beer or something. Whereas this past summer, everyone was drinking the nudes, the neutrals, the straight and narrows. Like you come Peers. back. Yeah. All of that beverage. And so for us, like a, a lot of the strategy, here's me giving away our strategy. Um, our whole like strategy was like, it's the reset. So you just had a, you know, a Pilsner, then you had an IPA. And you're like, ah, you know what? I don't need another IPA. It's hot, sunny out. We're going to be out here all day. Need a little reset. And I forget to drink water most of the times. Ah, you know, give me one of these refreshing beverages right and so mm. like literally how we did tests was like drink an ipa drink a hard sparkling water go back to a pilsner did you enjoy the pilsner like you would have when you very first had it and it was like yeah it totally is a refreshing beverage in between clears the palate move on to that pilsner that you wanted so we call it the reset and, and how do we and how do we help you test that theory <laughs> yeah. Again, so you, you consume things like I brought out for the back half of the podcast, a blackberry export stout, which is full of flavor, full of mouth, full of everything. And then I'll have our, you know, raspberry and honey and thyme island life. And then I'll go back to a lager and it's going to taste just as delicious. Whereas anyone knows if you've had a bunch of IPAs and you try They'd to go back out. to the lager space, you're like, yeah, I got nothing. It feels like I'm drinking nothing. Interesting. Well, that's, 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 that's like an interesting way to uh, approach it. I think, right? Like, if that's just like, yeah, I wonder if I wonder if PBR did their same research like that, G, or if they just fucking shotgunned a bunch of them. First of all, people in Wisconsin aren't <laughs> drinking IPAs. No, they're second, not. <laughs> second not of all. all, second of all, Pilsner is a foreign word. <laughs> I just kid. No, that, that it's actually pretty. It's actually pretty interesting to see the the growth of uh, all the, especially. Uh, so when I was back and forth the first two summers here, I worked for uh, worked on a food truck, and we went to all the different local breweries in Minneapolis and Minnesota, and then also in Milwaukee and uh, nearby where my parents are. There, there's are starting to be breweries popping up all over the place. So it's really cool to see the expanse of like uh, beer going on in those places. But where my parents are is a relatively small town, so you don't get a huge disparity of. Uh, different beer types and stuff like that within a brewery. So it's pretty simple, more simple, but it's still like good hearty beers. Uh, but we're in Minneapolis. You'll see quite a diversity and kind of some weird funky things. So, but I don't believe that would be the same sort of uh, attack plan by PBR in say Wisconsin, but maybe in other parts of the country or world. Certainly. And I, and I think as we, um, I, I'd love this concept. Um, I'd, was lucky enough to attend some, you know, schools in the U.S. when I was at the big beer companies, and they would do marketing classes for a week, and you know, would attend. and And I learned this concept of prototyping, right? So not a prototype, but a prototype. So you're like, man, I love strawberries, and man, I love beer. Someone should make a strawberry beer. So we just like take strawberries, smash them up put them into a lager and drink it and go, what do you think? Mm, not that great. Great. We don't need to spend the time 
to brew this and, and do all of this stuff. And same kind of thing when we were building the Autolite brands, it was, okay, we, w- we went to our team and we're like, okay, everyone, go make cocktails all weekend. So everyone just made cocktails all weekend. We came back and we're like, which ones did you love? Okay, great. Next week, let's get all those ingredients and let's make them all for everyone and try them all. Great. So we made all these cocktails, everyone tried them. Then we start putting the science parameters around them and get our brewers in there to go, well, that's got like 12 ingredients and this one has like four ingredients. Let's try this sort of four ingredient world. How can we simplify this down? What are the key things like a lot of our brewers and the people on our team like have gone to culinary school that take two weeks off a year to go take cooking classes at Vancouver and, you know, learn new cooking skills and everything. And they're just like, it's all about flavor combination. That's all we're talking about. Like what pleases the palate and makes people happy. And that's, that's how we went there. So it's like, anytime someone sort of says to me, I got an idea. I'm like, great, go try it. Like, yeah, let, cool. let's, let's just try what that's like. Interesting. That's cool. That's a really cool way to approach it. That's pretty Dave, um, another thing I, that I did. Sorry, I'm going to interject on this no, one. No, 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 go again. Since, go again. Give us more. I, I, only because this is three dads and a Phil that one of the greatest gifts that you can get your, uh, your kids for any of you have daughters. Mine's, mine's a daughter, wonderful girl, Sage. Uh, her aunt got her, like, not the Snoopy snow cone maker, but like a more advanced one still made of the same plastic that everything else is made of but you just shove in ice cubes and you turn the top and it puts out shaved ice on the bottom okay so we were like ah what if we had frozen hard sparkling water drinks what if we had frozen germinator yeah so it's like uh okay well so i just i just took one of our drinks i poured it into ice trays i Mm. froze it the next day (laughs) put it into my daughter's like shaver thing and tried it and went, that's not good. What did she we think? I don't need to pursue this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I had to like, you know, rinse it out with hot water and septic oh, yeah. and all that cleaning so that my kids didn't have any alcohol in there. Sure you did. <laughs> Back to you, Phil. Sorry. If I can, if I can speak from any experience, I definitely wouldn't have done that. Um, Dave, part of uh, part of the conversation is like you've pointed out as we've talked about various beverages, like uh, Graham trying the would you you had the Spinnaker's beer G and and Matt Beaverchest had the the straight and narrow. Um, it's it's nice to hear that you also kind of respect and, and kind of enjoy the other breweries, and so my kind of leads into my question of um, in in the twenty twenty uh, Douglas Magazine article. Um, you, it was kind of just as the pandemic started and things were kind of getting kind of tough for everybody. And you had a, a really interesting comment uh, that I really liked. And I think uh, you've only shown that in this in this episode here um, kind of speaks to your, your character and who you are. But you said that you wanted to keep your island neighbors in mind um, with regards to breweries and distilleries. And I, I'm curious after a year of this pandemic and you know we i don't think many people thought we'd still be where we are today way back over a year ago uh, i was curious how uh, what's changed in covid how have the relationships changed have you built better relationships with local 
businesses to try to kind of help each other survive. Uh, and how has that worked from that from that interview to now? How have you kept your island neighbors in mind? Yeah, I think you know one of the things I love about this industry is that we are all in it together. Um, you know, when we go to a craft beer festival, when we go to a beer festival. We're all so excited to see each other. You know, you're all trying each other's beers. It, it is truly, truly, you know, uh, a very happy, um, sharing, supportive environment. And you know, I, I, I don't say that loosely. You know, I know a lot of people can just sort of say, "Oh yeah, yeah," you know, like we have, no, like we literally share yeast with other companies and and another company brewery will be like uh we ran out of this malt as we were making this beer you know can we get a bag? yeah we'll send you a bag and you know people will have like broken gaskets and and give a call and you know helping each other out and it's it's a fantastic fantastic place to work right because we are all very supportive of each other uh, we all just want to grow not just the island breweries and and the success that we see here uh, but also just BC breweries, craft breweries as a whole, you know, as we look at this space, you know, it's pretty regularly that I'll be hooking up with the other breweries and we're going for a coffee walk or we're having a beer on someone's patio. Like even during that pandemic time when it's, you know, we can't be sitting at a pub and having a beer together. We were still finding ways to just go have walks and talk about our business and support each other because we were all struggling and suffering in the same way. You know, we all unfortunately had the on-premise, which is our bars and restaurants, um, you know, heavily struggling, closed down, partially opened, going through all of that. They, they certainly saw the bigger struggles than we did, uh, but that was a big portion of our business. And was how are you pivoting? How are you adjusting? And we are absolutely there to share our you know, successes and share what we had done right and what we're trying to do to pivot and help out uh, in the industry. And everyone was reciprocal in the same way. You know, like Graham was talking about, you know, working at Hoyne and Sean had us at the brewery just, you know, a couple of months ago showing us his new equipment because we we're looking at new equipment ourselves and, you know, talking about like, oh, this is the one that I'd recommend. And, you know, this is, this is a great part about this. And this one, we need to work on a little bit more when we installed it. Like, that kind of stuff. Like I've worked in industries that don't have that, that are very toxic competitive industries. And it's horrible to sort of see and be a part of. I worked in the ski industry, uh, cat skiing and heli skiing when I lived in Fernie, BC. That industry is beautifully working together. Everyone wants to ensure, every cat operation, heli operation wants to ensure that the experience is the best for anyone because they're spending a lot of money when they move from a mountain ski resort mountain onto a you know big mountain of going cat or heli skiing and i tell you like everyone was just oh how did you make this equipment work better how did you make this work better so it, it's a it's a fantastic space to work in uh, when you can have that type of collaboration and and just vulnerability i know you know talking the worlds of vulnerability is certainly a uh, trendy and popular world around now but that vulnerability to just say like, I'm, I'm not at my best. I am struggling. I'm going to reach out to someone to say, Hey, what did you do in this situation? Yeah. Um, and, and have people be there supportive to help you out is fantastic. Yeah. I can second that too. It was after working at Hoy and stuff like that too, even on deliveries, if we had an issue with, you know, making deliveries, we'd see the same trucks and all the different brewery trucks when we were going and 
we'd help each other out with, you know, clearing kegs or moving things around and helping things like that. And it's definitely very inclusive, supportive and trying to build everyone up sort of community, which is really cool. And um, especially like hearing that with Sean, like it's totally Sean and totally the industry here in Victoria. It's cool. Absolutely. Dave, Dave, do you think the pandemic? Yeah, there it is. That's a beautiful sound, huh? That was good. That's a, that's a fresh can right there. Um, uh, what is is that the, the what is it I, I was looking up every time you say something about a, a beer you're drinking dave i'm looking it up i'm trying to find it's it blackberry. So, is that the black the black ipa no. blackberry extra stout blackberry Ex- oh yeah. the black ipa oh, though that you guys no. teamed up with you did a collab with the black ipa oh. and that was a fantastic beer i had that one a few weeks ago or a few uh, months Graham, ago we had some come back it was too much was shipped to a customer out in alberta and it came back um, we have a few, few flats still at the brewery. Oh. I am taking basically almost a flat a week. So get in there. There's still some when I, well, I don't know when you're broadcasting this, but there was still some there. I'm coming it'll, in. It'll be it'll, coming in it, this weekend. It'll, it'll be gone for sure. Dave, do you think that the pandemic has, uh, pushed you and other, uh, businesses like yours to be closer? Do you think you have a better relationship now than you did before the pandemic? So I think that uh, closeness has amplified. And so there was something that we were uh, loosely working on. There are so many breweries. This was certainly when I uh, joined Vancouver Island Brewing that, you know, within a one kilometer walk, you had so many craft breweries that you could hit. Three years later, there's even that much more now that you can hit. And so what we had talked to, got on a call with, with each of the breweries, uh, sent them all out notes, and we were starting up a brewery bay, right? And we're creating this thing, brewery bay. We're all going to support each other. We're all going to pitch in money. For the breweries that are brand new and fresh, you don't have to put in any money. The, the bigger breweries like ourselves, Driftwood, Phillips, Hoyne, like we'll, we'll put in the money to cover off, and we'll create this map. And That's awesome. uh, Taylor from Folk Creative was like, I'll – you know, I'll jump in and I'll I'll help out just to get this thing going uh, because we just believe it's it's such a fantastic opportunity for people to walk by all these craft breweries and and enjoy the greatness that that we have to offer. And so, we actually started down the road. We were, we were making progress. We were doing all this work and uh, BC Ale Trail, which is a, a massive um, sort of supporting craft beer. Uh, I would guess you call it. Uh, destination tourism organization uh they were like you know what uh we want to we want to help you out right we want to this is a pandemic time there, there's funding available to support you know our local breweries and businesses and so they amazingly jumped on board um with an idea that uh, actually a couple of the breweries ourselves in lighthouse actually uh, had had discussions about making a passport which was to get you know stamps go visit six craft breweries get a stamp at each of the breweries and then you're entered to win like a great draw prize, you know, from at all the breweries are you're contributing towards. So um, I, really got my, just a, I got two cards filled out, Dave. Nice. Love hearing that Graham. Thank you very much for oh, that yeah, support. Buddy. Of course um, we are. We're, we're such a, such an amazing thing. And, and it's not just us in the brewery Bay, you know, in that, in that quadrant, you know, cat 12 and howl and, you know, all the other breweries, twa dogs that, that expand out and soup, like, we're all a part of this whole region. You know, we, we stay close to our homes, but you know, we're all making such fantastic beers. And so, yes, you can walk here, but Hey, get a, 
designated driver and head out to those areas too. Okay, sorry. Oh. Yeah, sorry, I was muted. Um, listen, listen to the chug. Yeah, totally right. Take a, take a sip, right? Take a sip. If it's, if it's quiet, you have to drink. Yeah, totally. Uh, okay, Dave. Hot take. What do you think of Whistleboy's NFT IPA? Um, my wife actually told me about it this morning, and I'm sorry, but I, I think I'm too old. <laughs> I was confused. She was trying to describe the the whole Bitcoin or encrypted thing to it. Like, trust uh, me, I love Whistleboy. They're part of our pod pack. Um, they're, they're great, great folks, amazing brewers. But I was just like, what? Yeah, it's, right, it's, for, the, it's for the kids, right? The NFT, yeah. non-fungible yeah. token. The only reason yeah. I'm asking is I'm the resident crypto freak on the, on the podcast. <laughs> Dave, okay. I have no idea what crypto or Bitcoin is. They talked about it earlier before you came on, and I'm just like, the fuck are we talking about? I still have no yeah, understanding of it. So that too. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Yeah. I just thought there were microbots That's in here, would... you know, <laughs> yeah, trying, nanobots, to count, yeah. <laughs> trying to counter, you know, the Bill Gates bots that are in there. And it's like know, the more of these things you drink, the the more bots you fight back. Like you'll get really good we uh Wi-Fi connection if you have that beer along with your vaccination with Bill Gates and all the microchips. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. 5G plus plus. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, that's what I was curious. Um uh that's it. So uh, I think Love Phil the has packaging though. The packaging's fun, yeah, totally. I mean yeah. it's interesting. They you know, they they've broken ground. Like NFTs are this big new thing, right? Like people are making millions of bucks, thousands of bucks, artists and that kind of stuff because they're doing these non fungible tokens, but nobody's I ever don't done even a know beer. What that means. Uh don't get into it, Matt. Okay, don't okay. ask. <laughs> don't ask. That's God, God. Don't ask. Abort. 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 Yeah, abort. Totally. Um, uh, yeah. Um kind of Dave, kind of on, on a similar like playful tone. Uh, I, I found a video um on youtube from granville isle and i think you were were you there six years ago what would that be 2015 yes under advice from my counsel i declined that answer but yes (laughs) (laughs) so i'm i'm so i watched this video six years ago it was for april 1st so i'm curious when the drone delivery system is going to come to vancouver island brewery and when we are going to be able to have beer drop from the heavens also, you're 15 months late on it, but go ahead. There's always it, next year. It would have been so good during the pandemic. Hey, can't we blame <laughs> everything on a pandemic? Like, yeah. you know, I, I was supposed to do something, but that happened. It, it was the greatest excuse ever for so many people for we a year and still. Uh, <laughs> but I love, okay, two-part story. I love April Fool's. April Fools is amazing. I love like the goofballness of it. My daughter and I like plan stuff out in you know the days before leading up. What are we going to do to mom to like really trick her and you know just sort of have like a lot of fun with it. We, we try to encourage that fun amongst like friends or you know even the work environment. Two part is my birthday's on Halloween. My girlfriend is on April Fools' Day. And I love Halloween. And one of my best buddies, his birthday is on April Fools. And Perfect. another good <laughs> buddy is oh, yeah. on New Year's. So we call ourselves the 
Yay, ha, boo. Yay for New Year's, ha for April Fool's Day, and boo for April Fool's Day. Oh, I was going to say the, the, yeah. ha, boo. the three horsemen or something. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yay, ha, boo crew. The Trinity. Um, but it's, yeah, April Fool's and, uh, you know, because here's the thing. April Fool's, there's no like, oh, April Fool's is on a Thursday. Oh, we'll just celebrate it on the Saturday or we'll celebrate it on the Friday. It's the same with, you know. It's universal because uh, you can pull the prank at someone at work or at home or in their car or like you can use it anywhere. They April Fool's. Yeah. But it's so, funny. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. I was going to say when yeah. you said you and you and your daughter are always looking for ways to team up on your wife to like trick her. It's just really funny because I'm not going to share it here, but Alan, I found out the sex of our child that we're going to be having. And uh, I just said, no matter what this, I'm like, I'm just nervous that no matter which one we have, you guys are going to team up on me and you're going to pick on me. So I just laughed because as soon as you said that, you're like, oh, we figured out a way to pick on I'm like, God damn, this is going to be my wife and my kid. They're going to just going to be in there somehow and they're going to figure out a way to pick, pull a prank on me or do something to me daily, not even on April Fool's. So it just made me think of that. That was good. Good. Being teamed up is good. Builds uh, strength, character, and resilience. For you and your, for you and your daughter, ago. but not for your wife, and for <laughs> my, my wife and my kid, and not for me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, hey, I had three older sisters, so oh, okay. I am built of being spoiled by my parents for finally having a boy, and beat up entirely. "Quote, quote," loving words of my wonderful sisters, um, who are amazing and incredible. But yes, it, uh, yeah. I, I was uh, put in my place as the youngest one. <laughs> what so, was the so good? So, yeah, what was the two parter? So the first parter was that you love April Fools. The second two parter part is my, my birthday's Halloween, and Halloween is like the greatest birthday. It, yeah. If you can ever plan to have a child, it is Halloween. My because son's Halloween due date is like or, yeah. My son's due date was originally November third. And I was like, please be Halloween or de- I'll take Devil's Night too, but Halloween, please. Yeah. yeah he was two weeks late, November 16th. It, it, uh, it is, it is, well, it is amazing across decades because yeah. as a kid, you go out and someone gives you candy for <laughs> hours and then you come home and everyone gives uh, you presents and you're like, this is like the amazing combination for like 10, 12 years. I think that's as soon as be, but to be a parent of a kid that was born on Halloween, because you could probably throw just a couple of softballs for presents, but still it's a huge win. Cause you just got so much goddamn candy, right? Like, and sorry, sorry for you, Jordan and Graham one year. I got the hand solo gun. And I remember it because it had it was it was like don't know what he's saying. Shut up. It was it was such a special gun, and I don't know if it's in the books or (laughs) anything, but you had to hit another button on the handle to actually get the gun to shoot. It was like a safety mechanism. Like like a safe not a safety, a if anyone got your gun, they could never shoot you. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. Hand hand shot first. Well, and then, okay, so sorry. I got, I haven't done a segue or a a tangent yet. So I'm going to take this opportunity as a tangent right now. Do it. Because I got two 
people who admire the space of the you know star wars uh matt's a third so don't think he's uh yeah matt's with it phil's just the weird one awesome so when i was young younger than uh grade you know six so it pegs me at like a 10 11 or so years old christmas about four, about 40 years ago yep oh god um, <laughs> i uh i go to bed the tradition because i was you know i was born in england i moved here when i was super young like three years old or so so um but the english tradition is you put a, a pillowcase at the end of your bed so it wasn't about the stocking at the chimney. It was a pillowcase at the end of the bed. And you got up and there was your toys in there from Santa. And I go to bed, you know, Christmas Eve, and I wake up in a TIE fighter. My dad had built, with my mom, had built a TIE fighter bed. And so I woke up, they had wallpapered my bedroom with star wars wallpaper i had star wars sheets and blankets and everything and while you were built... sleeping they did this well yes, okay they so me here out of the bed and they had obviously pre-built it they took me out of my bed put me into their bed wallpapered the room and constructed the tie fighter bed that they had made from scratch and put me back into it with the Star Wars sheets. And that's I what I looked know up to. slipped into your food. That <laughs> Because if they're going to do that whole operation, that's a big thing. And if you're not going to wake up for that, man, they gave you some good shit that night. Yep. So <laughs> this was laudanum. I think it was, I think it's the, the technical term is laudanum. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, sure. No idea. So anyway, that was, uh, a weird tension. I like it. No, we love it. That's going to be in the in the cast, bud. That's going to be in the podcast. All right. So, um, we've come to the end of this episode, sir. Dave, it's been a pleasure. This is your opportunity no, to. No, no, no. We have not yet come to the end. We haven't. No. Some dumb dumb on the show tried to create a pr- tradition, and they haven't asked. Oh yeah. 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 Oh, oh, we haven't God. asked the, tr- the traditional question. Off the hop. And I don't even think this is a... Pr- Not a good question. ...with the tradition, but how did you forget? I'm so sorry. I beg your pardon. Are you it, blaming me, fault. Jordan? It's my or fault. You I moderated. It's my fault. Fair enough. Okay. I it's think you're both equally culpable, and yeah. now I wish that I hadn't decided to marry you and fuck you, and I should have kept Phil alive. because Yeah, you've been saying lots oh. of nice things about Phil, oh. and like... <laughs> You killed him <laughs> off really early on, so I don't know. I know. Man. He just, he just, he just, on. I'm starting to really grow some feelings for Phil, and I'm thinking the amount of research this guy does. Like we come in and we're like, I don't know, we're drunk already, and Phil's like, Well, I've done 12 hours of research. Okay, so for some background for listeners and for Dave, uh, I asked Jordan who would since there was three other ones of us, who would you marry? Who would you fuck? Who would you kill? And right off the hop, he killed Phil. He said he'd marry I was, Matt. I, I was very happy for. He'd kill <laughs> Phil, marry Matt, and then he's just going to use me for my flesh. flesh and me. it was very upsetting. And anyway, so that's where we're going. And apparently his answer is slowly changing as the podcast continues. So that's your background information on that of who Jordan would marry, fuck, or kill between the three of us. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's what we call so, a throwback. <laughs> so we come back to the question, Matt. Dave, what's your middle name? Barry. 
Barry. Barry. Barry. Barry. Barry. With a B? I like that. That's awesome. I like David that. David Barry. Like the HBO show. Oh, that is uh, that is my dad's name. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I got my dad's name for my middle name. Yep. That's, That's how it sweet. goes. Yep. And my son's got my name for his middle name. So it's what we do because we're simple people. Yeah, I am. Uh, I am unfortunately the last Nichols out of our like family tree. Oh, you're the uh, last dude. Yeah, every every one of oh, the great great ancestors that had um, had girls, and so I'm I'm the final, you know, Shogun warrior. Wow! And uh, and I had one girl, an, an amazing girl, Sage. And she's like, I'm keeping our last name and I'm getting my husband to take that name. <laughs> like, That's awesome. Nice. Strong woman. Like, love it. Fucking right. Yeah. That's I'm awesome. Good. I think awesome. it's totally appropriate these days. My oh, wife didn't even take, take our last name. Not that she needed to, but yeah, for sure. Um, okay. Awesome. So this Gentlemen. has been a pleasure. It's been an absolute pleasure, Dave. Absolutely. So much fun. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on, Dave. Really appreciate it, man. So, oh, absolutely. So, Dave, this is your chance to uh, let the let the audience know what you got going on in your life. You can do a plug. You can do a promo. What do you got? What's going on? What's going on for Dave Nichols these days? Um, Dave Nichols is in an amazing place right now. Um, the pandemic actually created an environment where my daughter and I started to go out uh, biking together, and she really took to the the sport of mountain biking. And with that, we went, you know what? My wife has been using my old mountain bike that is 15 to 17 years old. It was a super high-end bike back in the time, but it is an old geometry and everything. And my daughter and I last year said, let's get mom a new bike. And so we surprised my wife with a new bike. And we have now become full on mountain biking family. And we've always been a skiing family, which is every weekend we go up to Mount Washington, have an amazing time, have a little lap break. It's like we, she's in lessons on Saturdays. We ski together as a family on Sundays. And now the summer has become this. She does riding on Wednesdays. I go out with you know, some people. And then on the Sundays when the girls are doing their bike lessons all together. All the parents are now going out for a family ride together. We come back, enjoy a beverage or so, wherever that may be in an appropriate environment place. Um, but it's, it's really, that, that's been my happy place. It, it's certainly been uh, all through last year, just sort of the getting out and going for a bike ride has been my healthy, you know, my healthy mental health state. And, uh, yeah, so that's how I'm going to end this. I'm going to say that, uh, you know, we get out, we ride twice a week and everyone just loves it and and has a good time. And everyone's so happy on the trails. If you see someone struggling, you see someone with a flat tire, you're like, got all your stuff. You need anything? You know, again, it's just such a a supportive and, and great environment to be in. So, and they like beer at the end and telling stories. Love it. That's awesome, man. We love it. This is this has been fantastic. But in like for this entire pandemic, we've been so trapped inside all the time and staring at our phones and just do anything we can to pass the time. So actually, you know, putting in the effort to um, 
you know, to get the whole family on bikes and start going up the trail. I, I recently just moved. I'm, I'm right off the galloping goose. Like, uh, you know, we all have bikes and we've started to ride a little bit and it's like, my God, this is the best. It's such a joy to, to, to go out and, and have fun. Like when you're, when you're out there and you're just going down the trails and you're like, this is really fun. eh?" And everyone's like, yeah, we should do this more often. It's like we've had these bikes forever. There's nothing that's ever stuck. It's so it's so funny how when we we discover these simple things that have been around forever of how much we enjoy them and how much we should do them more often. And then we start looking at our dumb phones again and get. Uh, yeah, I blame I blame phones. I blame. And I, I think sure. the, the thing that I love ab- the thing that I love about um, the biking side of things and also the skiing side of things is eighty to ninety percent of the time. You can just ski the same trails or ride the team, same trails, right? I just yeah. just have fun together. It's not, and and I, I don't diss anyone who does any other sports and activities. It's amazing that every family can do whatever the sport is: soccer, baseball, rugby, you know, lacrosse. You know, like awesome, great, amazing. Uh, but it's typically a spectator and someone doing it, and yeah. it's just so wonderful. And and I tell you, you know when. I, I've been trying to, as, as a dad, I've been trying to find ways to spend more time with my daughter. It's hard when you're, when you work so much. And my thing is to try to take the days off that are my daughter's PD days. Mm-hmm. So if she's got a totally. PD day, try to take that day and her and I just spend that day together. We go do whatever she wants, right? You just go. It's awesome. So the last one I said, what do you want to do? What are we going to do? She's like, let's go ride the dump. And I'm like, oh my God, like I almost started crying. I'm like, oh my God, that, like, that's what I would love to, but that's I would never push yeah. that. I would mm-hmm. never push that yeah. on, on her to say, oh, let's go mountain biking. She's like, she calls it, right? And she picks the trails and I shove the backpack with, you know, like Reese's peanut butter cups and, you know, Mentos, and like whatever kind of goofy <laughs> stuff we want to do. And it's like, Hey, the rough combo this on this moss pile. Yeah, okay, yeah. great. That's, That's a weird awesome combination. <laughs> Dave, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining us. We'd love to have you back. Thanks for listening and hope you enjoyed the show tonight. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, share with your friends, and connect with us at 3 That's right, we have a website. Check it out. Good night.